everybody, and welcome back to the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. I'm George Tello. Uh, how is everybody doing? I know that uh, the May 15th deadline to go somewhat back outside after all this uh, craziness and uh, the word people have been using or the phrase has been uncertain times, and that's kind of what it's been. And uh, I know we're going to go back out into a little bit more of reality uh, pretty soon here uh, in the coming couple months. Uh, but there is some excitement, right? I mean, if you're a sports fan, the NFL schedule came out. We had the draft uh, virtually. The WNBA draft was uh, done virtually as well. Um, you know, there's rumors that baseball, basketball, hockey, uh, we're seeing Formula One come back. NASCAR is going to race without fans. So I think what's going to happen, and you know, along with the Bundesliga coming back, is that until we have a vaccine, we're not going to see fans in the stands. How is that going to affect these athletes? How is that going to affect uh, the organizations in which they operate within? And it's going to be something that I think a lot of us are curious about. And I just wanted to talk about that a little bit as we start the podcast and uh, open up pretty much the show with that is that I just feel like we should talk about it a bit. I think that uh, it's been a discussion on so many other, uh, not just podcasts, but shows I watch and you know, a lot of people who know me, like, I'm just a complete sports world type of guy. Like, I, that's not the only thing I care about, but, you know, I I literally will just watch it if it's on. And um, I kind of keep up with a little bit of everything. And that's just been the discussion is when are we going to get back to a quote-unquote normal? And I don't think we will for a while, but that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, for at least us in the gaming league, the player ratings are going to uh, deteriorate. From what I had heard or read on a couple things online – uh, is that the game uh, itself, FIFA, has a couple more updates to do, including a title update. So they still have some things they're making changes to in the game. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on, right? I think that's something that we should pay attention to uh, because I do believe that they will make somewhat changes to the passing is what has been rumored, according to a couple of guys who are YouTubers who usually break pretty solid news on uh, on FIFA. Specifically this year, they've done a good job. Um, but I think that overall, as we look at the events in real life and how they alter us here in the gaming league, I don't think we have too much to be worried about. I think I just that was something that I got brought up to me when I did the Ask Away thing on Instagram, which thank you guys for participating in. Um, I don't always like to show my face like that. I, don't, I, if you go on my Instagram, I have more pictures of other people than I do myself. So I just, uh, I just, you know, I, I, I've been in the past, I've been very uncomfortable. I mean, I used to have social anxiety when I was younger. Uh, so for me getting there and being able to talk to you guys or respond to you guys is, uh, it's actually a big deal for me. So I appreciate you guys being very cooperative with that, having fun with it, you know, shout out to AG Surge. Daniel O'Brien, uh, Washburn, and uh, and Joey. So thank you guys so much for participating um, and asking some pretty good questions. Uh, some things that I was going to use for the podcast, but I didn't mind answering them there uh, because I believe that's something that um, we we gladly could talk about. I didn't believe it was something that out of the ordinary. Uh, but as for what you guys are going to get for the rest of the podcast, um, basically going to talk a little bit about this America-Chelsea battle that we have brewing. It's about time to start talking about this title race because there's two, three teams. I'll even group Augsburg in there um, and that you'll hear in the podcast. It is a different style of 
or excuse me, this is a different way this title race is going down because some of the teams behind Chelsea and America have actually made some pretty good moves. And um, I know I promised you guys a lot more transfer talk, but in reality, uh, as we break these teams down and as we get deeper into the start of the second half of the season, I think we'll realize that some of these transfers are very minute to the fact of what these teams have already been doing all season, right? I mean, you look at what Chelsea's done, I don't actually believe that they needed to add or subtract. And they and things would and things will change. It is all about consistency and how far is the natural talent of Chris himself going to be able to take this team with the array of superstars he's built himself. Right? The same thing with with Serge. I mean, the attacking third is elite. Him and Chris have an elite attacking third. You know, I'll group even Leon in there with the attackers they have in Barcelona as well, adding Coutinho. Those are things that I think people don't even need to be explained to them. But I believe that those are things that we should keep a open mind to. The second division is obviously a little bit more vulnerable to a transfer changing the ways we've seen what Aubameyang's done for Benfica down there. Um, but like I said, you guys will hear a, a, a few different things on the podcast. It'll be a little bit different than normal. Um, mostly because I, I just chose to steer clear of the transfer talk as much as I could. Uh, mostly because I just feel like we're not going to see that impact in this window compared to the off season window. And if you look at how good some of these teams have been, for example, like a Barcelona getting a Coutinho really is more so the cherry on top of the cake more than it is something that's groundbreaking. I mean, to have what Havertz and Paulo Dybala are doing, I already think it's one of those things, and you'll hear me talk a little bit about that. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Um, thank you guys once again for listening. This is this week's edition of the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. We're going to start this podcast uh, basically with the big moves that Tottenham have made. Uh, Tottenham arguably have been one of the or have had seasons where they're the worst team in the league having 20 losses somehow surviving that season to now becoming a team that last season were very middle of the road double digits in every single category win lost tie and now they are starting to try to build some momentum as they look to grow the squad going forward uh, essentially what happened is that Gareth Bale has been loaned back to Tottenham or loaned to Tottenham, excuse me. I believe the entire deal is worth about 40 plus million euros. Um, so that happens. Chelsea will lose Bale for the remainder of the season. And if Aaron comes up with the dough, Tottenham will pick up really what is a aging superstar, a guy who doesn't really play in real life, but he has consistent, uh, consistently been able to be treated nicely by FIFA uh, in the sense that he keeps his rating, keeps his pace, stamina, keeps up a lot of those amazing elite-level skills. So we'll see how Aaron and this Tottenham team uh, kind of bring him into the fold. From what I've seen and what I've been told, it looks like he's going to be paired up there with Harry Kane, and that is a scary thought. Uh, as a lot of teams make the transition to the 4-4-2, the Bakersfield 4-2-2-2-2, whatever, doesn't matter how you want to word it. Either way, it's been working for a lot of clubs. Uh, I, I believe that it's something that Tottenham, unsurprisingly, you know, wanted to copycat in a sense. I, I want to consider this a copycat league because there isn't any like particular way of growing your squad or system to go and, and score goals in. But it seems like this is the first one that we could actually say people have kind of copied each other in. 
The only difference I would say, I'm not ready to put Harry Kane and Bale on the same level as a Dabala Havertz kind of pairing, um, mostly because I feel like the chemistry is going to take some time, obviously. I do like the deal, though, and then we turn around and go and see them uh, make a bidding 52 million euros for Marquinhos, and obviously there's some controversy behind that. I, I'm not going to sit here and deliberate on that. I don't believe that a team is going to want to give up half a million euros just for the fuck of it, just to let someone go and buy an elite-level player. Because that is not the competitive side I know from from Joey in Liverpool in this case. And he doesn't like to lose his money. And I, I know it because we've played wagers in the past and he tries to go and double down on me. And I'm like, no, no, I'm good. You know, when he first joined the league. I know there's no way in hell he would want to give Aaron anything. That's not in his nature. So when they play wager matches, I can tell you guys right now, it's blood sport. Like, it is straight up blood sport. There are fouls all over the place. People people probably getting hurt. They don't give a damn. They, those two, t- two guys, they may be related, but they do not like losing to each other. So that is all I needed to say about that. Because mostly, in my opinion, I believe that there's no way in hell uh, Joey wants to see Aaron get a, an, elite, an elite center back. You know, Marquinhos, I believe he's one of the best in the world. He's getting up there. Uh, just his overall talent. He knows how to move the ball. He's a possession center back. He knows how to control the tempo of the game at the back. He's not easily beaten either. He's got some solid pace. Um, and the guy can also play defensive mid. That's how talented he is. And there's no question that if PSG, uh, you know, you throw out the coronavirus, but if PSG didn't get past Dortmund, who knows where that team is going? They might break up and he's a very young age still. And Obviously, he's in the Brazilian national team. So this move for me is one of the moves that I kind of say, good good job. Like, this is one of the few moves I'm like, I'm going to give an A-plus to. I like this deal. I like what it does for Tottenham. Uh, just crazy to see a team this middle of the road f- finally take a leap and try and improve their team because they've wasted, in my opinion, so much of their time trying to bring in players that are very much alike. And obviously, they got rid of Royce as well to enter. So I almost feel like this is a changing of the guard in a sense. Yeah, Bale is a little bit older, but Marquinhos, maybe they're starting to build something at the back. And not to mention, Skriniar is already there. So let's focus on that because now they've built a solid center back pairing uh, that rivals pretty much anybody in the league. Let's get you guys transitioned over to what has been made of this America and Chelsea battle. Because what you've seen out of this Chelsea and America battle has been probably what is the best uh, title race we've had in a while in the sense of both teams are undefeated after the first three months. Chris and this Chelsea side went on to win the FA Cup, and it is probably the first of two for Chris if he continues on this hot streak. Remember, he's only allowed 12 goals, uh, but to uh, to credit Serge himself, he's only allowed 10 both these teams are remarkable. And not to throw in just anybody's name, but Augsburg and Barcelona, including Lyon, they're not far off the title race. One slip from this Chelsea or Club America team, or probably both, we could see an Augsburg or Barcelona or a Lyon jump in. Now, that's not to say that anyone really has a good chance. Someone would have to go full-on Chris and go undefeated this month to have a chance. 
But if we're just looking at both these two teams, the one, two, well, both teams already have double digit wins and they look like they're on pace to have 20. That's something just ridiculous. Let's take a look at Club America's schedule as they look towards month number four. Atletico Nacional, they got Wolves, Tottenham, who have just re-engaged their squad. Dortmund struggling at the bottom. And uh, I believe it's Young Boys and Arsenal to end their month. It's a good month for Club America. A possible undefeated month. Yes, the huge matchup with Wolves is a rivalry game uh, that is becoming a forefront for these two clubs, especially for Washburn, who... Almost feels as if, and you know, when I had him on the interview, rivalry is dead. This is a real rivalry game. The winner of this match will have bragging rights until they play again. And I can tell you right now, nothing would excite Andrew more if he can get and break up what has been a pretty good chance to go up for the title for this America squad, right? I mean, forget the attacking talents for a second. Even if these guys had the same players and they're playing against each other, this is going to be the game to watch. Um, this comes back to my whole conversation of wanting to have things you know, twitched, but hey, I'll take just getting the result and seeing it. You know, you look at the midfield for this America team, they've been fantastic, but it's where the goals have come from that will surprise people a lot more. They have three players with double-digit assists, Memphis to pay with 11 in all competitions. You add up with Kevin De Bruyne and then, of course, Marcus Rashford, both with 18. And it would surprise no one that's Thomas Dracosha, 18 clean sheets in all competitions. And that is why this America team has been so good. Yes, they do have a goal source of really only two players in Marcus Rashford and Kevin De Bruyne. But De Bruyne is on the edge of getting 50 goals in all competitions this year if he can end the, the Division One season on a hot streak. Marcus Rashford at 29 already in all comps. He has really proven to be one of the best players in the division uh, under this America team. Not to mention you have uh, SMS in the midfield, Milovinko uh, uh, Savage. Um, he's just one of those guys that you just kind of feel like, I totally botched the name, but he's one of those guys that he's going to control the game. He's a powerful midfield player. He's tall. He's going to win headers. Oh, not to mention you have Jaden Sancho on the wing. We haven't seen his impact in all competitions the same way you would think. Because the the talent behind him, right? You have Frankie de Jong that can provide a pass. Theo Hernandez. We I talked about Tepe. Giovanni Lo Celso. Juan Basaka could send in crosses. Hell, Virgil van Dijk can score some goals and send up some crosses if he needs to. Right? Gilson Martins comes off the bench. He's an important factor. Um, Marcus Thurman, uh, or Thuram, is uh, another guy who has made his appearance be known. And that's not to mention, you still have Phil Foden off the bench, right? Uh, he hasn't made an impact this season, only one assist in the entire season. But this team has a lot of depth. And as I will talk about with Chris, you're looking at undefeated seasons, or excuse me, undefeated months for these two squads. Uh, I think that it's just extremely plausible that neither one of these teams uh, potentially could lose even a game uh, for the rest of the season. And it could just be coming down to what team blinks first in the sense of tying? I mean, in, you know, just looking at the schedules, you're looking at two teams that literally are off by two ties, right? I mean, if Medica gets two wins in those games, we have essentially a tie at the top of the table. You know, we're break down on goal difference. So we'll see how this team reacts. I'll obviously, um, you know, uh, we, we saw the tie between Leon and Chelsea, but if you look at the rest of Chelsea's schedule, it's 
very similar to America, except for one game that is going to stand out and is the Augsburg Chelsea game. Um, it is technically scheduled for the end of the month, but we know that you can play your games in any order. Uh, we saw Chelsea tie 2-2 with Lyon, which is a big game for Santi. I think more than it is for uh, Surge to have happened or Chris to have happened. Mostly because I believe that Santi needed a game to really improve his team's form, right? I mean, he's I've talked to him numerous times. You know, we play pro clubs together, so I talk to him a lot about his team. And it's not been quite there. And I think there's going to be some time to adjust with Mane. I think the team will get better the, the this next year coming up or this next season because it'll have they'll have more time together. It's one of those things where like you can't quite bond and get the chemistry going 100% until you've spent some time with the players. We see that impact with uh some of these big money spendings. You know, like I said, Jaden Sancho hasn't made the impact you would ex- assume that he's going to make for this side with Mane, he hasn't done really the same amount of work as you would expected him to do. And yes, it is Douglas Costa and Messi still being great, but how great would it be if that third party was adding in? And then he's look at Chelsea, he brings in Sony, he's leading the league in goals. So impact could kind of come from everywhere, and we see that with the top two teams and how important it is for them. Because Chelsea, you look at the rest of the schedule, PSG, AC Milan, Atletico Nacional, Manchester United, no offense, none of those guys are going to do anything to Chris. I would have given maybe... Manchester United had a chance if they didn't get rid of everyone. Right, to at least get points. I thought it was going to David's been playing great, but I don't think he has any type of defensive player that's going to make a difference against some of the best players in the league, let alone Chris. Right? I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's nothing personal, but the team's not good enough. Not good enough FIFA player either. It's, it's just one of those things. And even if you were on the same level as Chris, it's not going to matter because he has the talent to break that you know, break that tiebreaker. As for Roman and Augsburg, this is the biggest game of the season. You know, if Roman and his squad, you know, he is that third party, right? I talk about people breaking things up in the in the league. Roman's the guy. This is his chance this month. Right? I mean, I talk about I've talked about Chris a lot in the past. You know, but that game, that game is the biggest game. If it's a tie I think it affects Chris more than it affects uh, affects Roman. But I do think it hurts Roman just as much in the sense that he needs points to catch up. Taking a look at this Augsburg team. Lucas Mora, Raheem Sterling, Cito Immobile, all the guys that have made an impact. Bellarabi's going to have a 10-10 season, potentially more. Uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan's on pace to do the same. Gerard De La Feu, seven assists in all competitions. He's made a somewhat of an important play. It has been a very weird season for this Augsburg team. The ramifications of the money spent to get Pogba will not be felt until we get to the end of the season. If he catches Chris, if he makes it a race... And I'm talking about a legit race, like where they are trading off either the lead or he is two, three points behind for the rest of the season. I think it's worth it in that sense. Do I think that'll happen? Hell no. I just don't think that can be a thing that Roman can handle. And it's not because he's not a good enough FIFA player. He's, he won the very first title ever available. <laughs> you know, league title at least. You know, Ryan holds that for winning the first ever tournament. First two, actually. But... 
what does it matter for this Augsburg team if they can't keep up, right? I mean, there's so much at stake for them compared to the other two. Whereas, like, I don't feel like the title window for this uh, Roman-led Augsburg team is very strong. I just don't think it's going to last very long. And Mobley is getting older. That's not to say strikers are obviously playing later uh, into their years nowadays because of the way the game is. Everyone else kind of needs to run, and the strikers don't necessarily need that skill if they have the ability to pop the goals in the back of the net. So, yeah, okay, he catches a break there. Raheem Sterling, kind of a down year, but you assume he'll bounce back in real life and his rating will go back up. Bellarabi's an aging player. Mkhitaryan's an aging player. Fernandinho, Otamendi. Yeah, that's just, you know, Gunduan. Those are guys that are getting older, and this team has to change. So how are they going to change by wasting $16 million on Pogba? And that was my biggest thing. Like, I didn't bring that up in the last podcast, but after Ramon impressed everyone by getting 10 points behind the leader, it's, it's kind of like, okay, I see why he did that. But I don't believe that it's enough, right? Because he doesn't come in permanently. He doesn't solve the solution. But let's look at his schedule anyways. LAFC, Arsenal, you have the big, huge derby match with Lyon. You got Kashima, Bayern Munich, and then, of course, that Chelsea matchup I was talking about. So there's a chance that this team can do something to keep up. They're going to need some help, which this month I don't believe they're going to get any uh, because Augsburg have relatively a decent schedule to play. LAFC probably going to play them pretty tough. A down year for Edison, but he's been solid at times. RD has been able to surprise teams. You look at, obviously, the game against Lyon. I think that's going to be a make-or-break game. I think if he loses that game by two goals, or three goals, excuse me, or more, I think that's the end of this team, unless something crazy happens to Chris and uh, Serge. I just don't believe that Augsburg have done enough. And then you have to go and turn around and play a desperate Munich team, desperate Kashima team, teams that are vying for their lives. Yeah, you're probably going to be the favorite in those matchups. But then you got to go play Chris. And those two matchups between Lyon and Chelsea are going to make or break Roman. If he gets through those games with points, and I mean wins, I don't care if it's a one-goal win, it doesn't matter. If he gets through those games with wins and he could come out of this month with an undefeated season while also disrupting Chris and Santi on the, in the process, I think you start to see that $16 million make sense. Does it make sense if he finishes 25 points off the top? No, it's a waste of a season. And in fact, it could be a waste of two seasons. Potentially. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Um... I just want to say thank you, everyone, for listening as we take a break here on the podcast. Um, you guys have been able to give me feedback, give me a lot of help on just things I want to talk about on the podcast, along with things you want to listen to. So I appreciate that. We'll be right back. All right, so let's get to the, I guess, the second half of the podcast with um, your managers of the month for D1 and D2. Um, I'm not going to give myself a D2 manager of the month award so congrats Jalant. uh you've had a great start to your season three months in uh you're up one two punch with me at the top of the d2 table and you look like you're gonna go up i know you've played a majority of your games um for this month and i've seen you have a couple slip-ups but i do believe this last month you really proved to a lot of people and including a lot of d1 managers i spoke with um i just think they were impressed by your attitude to not just improve with Insigne, but to improve your team with um, 
a more disciplined <laughs> attack to just kind of hey, say, hey, we're just going to score as many goals as we can. You're going to pop the goals in. But it led to wins, and that is why you are the D2 Manager of the Month. Um, congratulations. Uh, I look forward to our battles in the coming months that we're going to have to play, each, uh, play against each other for the D2 title. Uh, but for now, congratulations. I think it's well-deserved. I think you've been easily one of the best managers in D2 this season, uh, and I will look forward to seeing you continue that, but just not at the expense of me. Let's get into the D2 or the one part of this. Uh, I had Club America, Augsburg, and Chelsea, the teams I talked about in the previous segment, all up for this Manager of the Month award. Remember, I am just giving this out as part of the podcast. Listen, in the past, I've tried to get people to vote, and a lot of them are very skewed. A lot of people want to vote for their friends. Uh, so I've kind of taken that power of your hands. However, don't fret. Club America never lost this month, along with Chelsea and Augsburg. Never lost. Chelsea were the odd man out with two draws, with Augsburg and America being the ones to tie as well. Listen, I want to give it to Chris because he won the FA Cup and he did it in resounding fashion. But it goes to Ramon this month with his excellent defeat of Club America. I got to say, I just like the way that this team has improved. Albeit, I've given him a ton of shit and I'm not, not going to run away from that. I do believe that he is going to be one of the best teams. If he can keep Pogba, but wait, he can't. Either way, it doesn't matter. Ramon has led this team on a five-game winning streak coming into this month, and I do expect it to get stronger. Listen, these games against Leon and Chelsea are going to test him for this coming this May right now. But in April, he was probably the best manager in D1. Now, Chelsea, of course, won the FA Cup. I know that. I'm not going to disagree with the fact that they're one of the best teams in the league, if not the most elite. But things are going to change this month. Either we're going to find out if Chelsea and America are going to continue their two-horse race, or we're going to find out if Augsburg can finally find a way to become that third horse in what is becoming a very elitist title race this season. I, of course... Um, very happy to give that award out to Ramon and Jalant. You guys have been very excellent this season. I think as the more I do the podcast, the more I realize uh, I kind of dig around and I go and find stats that are pretty cool. <laughs> and I'll sit there for a while and I want to break it down even more than I probably should. Uh, but you guys have been excellent. I think the rest of the division will agree with that. Um, you know, and even just looking at all the performances that everyone's had this so far this season, I think we're getting to a point now where um, I think a lot of you are going to start recognizing how good everyone is in the league, right? I mean, literally everybody has um, an opportunity to beat you on any day. So I think that's one of the important things that people kind of overlook, right? I think, I think that because uh, how good Chris has been, people are probably like, what? Um, but I think it's one of those things where you're like, all right, this guy's just been excellent. No doubt about it. Um, and you'll see that as I transition now onto the players of the month. Uh, I had Luis Suarez of Wolves up there with 10 goals. He had zero assists though. Marcus Rashford with nine goals, four assists for Club America and Henry Son with nine goals and six assists. I am pretty sure you know who I'm going to go with. It was Henming Son this month. Nine goals to add to what has already been a fantastic season. 
The thing that blew me away is the fact that this guy's starting to pick up assists. Six of them in the league. That's not to say that Suarez and Rashford weren't good, but congrats to Chelsea's Hinming Son of winning the D1 Player of the Month for April. Listen, he was the best player. And, you know, obviously in real life he's over there, you know, in the South Korean Army getting his training. But in our league he has become the not only the breakout player, and it's it's going to be crazy when I have to do awards at the end of the season because this is his first season in the league. Essentially, he's a rookie to us, um, but what a season he's had. I mean, there is no one that um, kind of <laughs> just kind of blows it away and uh, or blows you away the same way, and he has turned it up to a different level, and you got to give Chris a lot of credit for that. Let's get on to the D2 players that we had nominated. I had Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang of Benfica with 10 goals, 3 assists. Mario Balotelli of the Houston Dynamo with 13 goals, 3 assists. And then, of course, I had Andres Iniesta of the Houston Dynamo with 8 assists and 3 goals. And Jonathan David of Inter Milan with 6 assists and 2 goals. I went with 4 here because I felt like they were a little bit more deserving. There was a little bit more of a battle here. Uh... And it, it's crazy to me the offenses that these teams pour out, the attacking uh, just effort on these squads. But I'm going to give it to Mario Balotelli. 13 goals. He led the league in this month, and he continues it to be, or he continues to be an anomaly in this league. He was solid for Artie last season. He moves to Houston, um, and he continues to score goals. And albeit, yeah, in D2, but this is a team that's trying to climb back out. Um, of the of being in D2 and trying to get into the playoff spots, into the automatic promotion spot um, that is available. And, you know, to have that opportunity, we're going to see uh, what this Houston team can do. But congrats to Mario Balotelli of the Houston Dynamo for winning April's Player of the Month for Division II. Um, of course, I, like I said, with the managers and the players this month, I wanted to take control uh, because I wanted to do that not just purely on stats, but you look at the match ratings that these guys have poured out um, and the passing that they've been able to complete. I've talked to a couple managers uh, about the players on this list, and they're all deserving to be there. I think Jonathan David was kind of the one that everyone's like, what? But Inter Milan have been able to get some stats. I think uh, we're looking at a team uh, kind of like Atlanta United Part 2, where kind of a weird season to start. Uh, but the team will continue to get stronger. Obviously, it helps you have Erling Holland as the guy to build around. Um, but yeah, the four uh, aforementioned named people in this, the two managers, um, congratulations, uh, Roman and Gelant, and then to the players, Son and Balotelli uh, for the April awards. Um, of course, we saw a ton of uh, crazy goals. I know that that's something that gets voted on. Uh, every month so make sure you guys stay tuned to that for the end of may we will have the goals of the month trying to get them on instagram it's not easy to save or contact managers to get the goals to post um, because we don't make money we could actually post on there so it doesn't hurt us but um yeah so i mean if i can get those somehow some way sent to me once the nominations are out then i could just post them on the instagram and that way more people can see it and you could have different people voting Obviously, it's a manager vote. That doesn't mean we can't have people on the outside getting their extra word in. Uh, so, going to take a mini break. Just going to transition you guys to something that I think you'll like. All right. Just to end this podcast, just wanted to say thank you guys uh, very quickly. Um, 
for listening and all the feedback for this last week or so. Um, it's been a tough week, um, you know, trying to uh, continue the momentum of the FA Cup ending and the transfer window ending and all the craziness in that. Uh, I want to thank all the managers for participating over the last couple months, um, you know, while we sat in this quarantine. And as we'll continue to do so in the future, we'll hope to bring you guys content like that uh, as we go forward. Um, but how do we change certain things in the league was something that got brought up to me, and I saved it for the end of the podcast today uh, for this week's episode. Um, I just felt that you look at the way the league has gone, we're super happy for the league and the way it plays out. Um, the promotion relegation is something that I'm going to talk about in a bit. Um, but how to, and you know, obviously the title race has been fantastic, but how do we improve things? How do we make things different? I talked about last week and the VT Cup and making it a very Copa del Rey type of tournament where even if you wanted to start the league right away, then you could have that be your first tournament that gets played out or you uh, run that tournament again as the opener of the season and you just play two legs and, you know, you go through it all in a day or two or on a weekend. Uh, and that makes it a little bit easier for, I think, the organizers of the league, and I'll reiterate that. I believe that that's something that we should definitely look at. And I also talked about in the past of an elite team tournament, so a top eight team tournament, where more money is made for these squads, but in the interest of benefiting a league to become an eight-team league, in the sense of we already have two really good teams. We have a third team on the cusp, a four and five team on the cusp of, yes, a couple of them have been to the very mountaintop of winning. But maybe there is a push. And this is not to stop Chris. This is not to stop Surge or anybody becoming dominant. But this is to add to how much more dominant can we make you. And I, I talked about this on a previous podcast, and then it was brought to my attention uh, by a fellow manager that he had brought a similar idea to the league, and he had not listened to the podcast. Now, obviously, our methods were very different, but the truancy stayed the same. Eight teams, one winner. And whether you take all the money to the team who wins it, it doesn't matter. Whether you put all the money on the line and it has to be entered in by the clubs, hell, I don't think that matters either. Listen, I think that there is a possibility that we are getting towards a tournament like that. And I know that things in the past are weird when we try and change them, right? You don't want one person to take the credit for that because it, it, would, it would be too harsh on everybody else to say that one person has come up with all the ideas. But when we have multiple people saying things about stuff, I think it's very important that we listen. Injuries. We switched to injuries being a thing. Obviously, cards were already a thing, but, you know, injuries became something to worry about. Goal scores, assists, clean sheets, all something that we started worrying about. Match ratings are starting to become a thing now. It's a trend that managers are starting to look at other managers and say, hey, this guy had a really good game. He didn't score, but he completed all his passes. All his shots hit the net. They didn't go in, but this guy had the, one of the better games. And those are things that are starting to matter. Listen, secondary analytics or stats, whatever you want to call it, 
These are things that are starting to matter to man- ma- matter to managers. But I think at the end of the day, it's all about how much more money can you make. I think it is a very much possibility that we're looking at the promotion and relegation battle as one of the most money-altering moments in the gaming league. You look at the three teams that automatically go up, they have access to at least 30-plus million euros almost automatically as they look to make the climb into D1, right? There is an, I'd say, an ideology that D1 is the only way to make money. And it seems to be true at the moment. However, I believe that with the with a slight tweak of the system, I think you could see a little bit, little bit more of a deliberacy from the D2 teams to become like the D1 teams. And we're already seeing that now. With the alteration of the FA Cup, what you're doing by not playing it all in one week or one weekend is you're seeing that these D2 teams have learned to grow their team in depth. And it isn't an ideal uh, from the board to kind of twist your arm and say, hey, you need depth in order to win these competitions, so guess what? You're going to have to build your team that way. No, these teams are starting to figure out, this is the only way I can survive. Whether it's a D1 team struggling to stay up or a D2 team wanting to go up. And I've talked to the managers that currently sit in those four to down into the 12th spot over the course of the season. I haven't really talked to Ortiz or Derek that much, but you listen to the things they've said in the past. And a lot of these managers are worried. Mike Golosic, one of them, how do I build this team? What the hell do I do? I, I want that feeling of going up. And we're starting to see that with that alteration, right? It gave them a chance to maybe go through. Ajax, I know, was the only D2 team to make it that far uh, this season, but it's it's an improvement. We're starting to see these D2 teams, and yeah, I know some of them have played D1 before, but just hear me out. They're not good enough to be in D1, right? That's why they had to go back down. But if they continuously get better, you balance out the league schedule more. And what happens is D2 doesn't become... Excuse me, D2 does not become this throwaway league that some of the D1 people have treated it to be. And I know a lot of people are like, what? But you're in D2, so of course you're going to defend it. No, I've been defending D2 since I started doing the podcast. Because I actually think it's a breeding ground for a lot of good talent. And not just the players that you put in the, on your team. Right, These D2 managers are more willing to take the younger guys. They're more willing to be like, hey, I'll take even some of the older guys. You know, It depends on what system they're trying to run. They're willing to take the risks. Where is that in D1? It's not. It doesn't exist there in D1. No one is taking those risks. And that's the difference because now the league schedule benefits them, even if it's a slight change. It's not a sprint when you get to the Cups, at least the FA Cup. And if you were to do something like a top eight tournament for D1, or you know, in this case, the best eight players in the league, then you might as well think about doing something different to the ProRail system, right? Because it means that much more. Is it possible that maybe we don't balance out the two teams in D1, but we start to try and balance out the teams that come from D2? Make them play each other out. And what I mean is, you kind of have the same three go up, Or hell, you could even have the two go up 
but you have a play into D1 matchup, I think that would be something better to watch. I think if you're not good enough in D1, I would say even the bottom four, they should automatically go down and you have a playoff for the last spot in D2 to go up. So three would still go up, but in this case, only four total can go up. Because I believe what happens is either A, the D2 team has absolutely no chance against some of the D1 teams because of the seniority of some of the D1 sides and how long they've been in the league, which is an issue to some managers, not to me, but I do believe it's an issue in the playoff games, even though we haven't seen that entirely yet. But I do believe it'll be a concurring issue. These D2 teams, yeah, albeit are better, but they're still not ready for D1. And I could even group the three that are probably going to be promoted this season. They won't be 100% ready. And that's not to say they have to come up and win. That's the whole process. I get that. But what I mean is, is that they have almost a majority chance of going right back down because there's not enough cash flow. So what you do to balance that is limit how many are coming up and going down, which in that case, you help those teams that sit in that 13 to 15 range, even 11, 15, and you help them not franchise them out, but you almost help them develop a side without taking anything away from them. So we'll see if that's something that the league thinks about, you know, limiting how many come up and go down. Uh, because I believe it's one of those things where you just, you look at it and you're like, why do five have the chance to go up? I know it's rare, but it's possible. And I think we should see these teams battle it out. I don't know if you would just do that four and five teams have to play each other. You know, if have a special circumstance, like, hey, if he's up by at least a 10-point gap or something, automatic go up. Or you just do four automatic teams. Because I think we're at a point where that fifth team just, I don't know if they have a chance. I just, I, the majority of the time, I just don't think they're going to have a chance. And a lot of guys this year, I get it, special circumstance, a lot of guys quit. So it threw them into those situations. But if you have a situation where you're trying to cap how many go up, then you could kind of marginalize what happens financially to these teams. You're like, all right, I'm not giving a ton of teams money because now you're not. You're not going to have to worry about that exchange of money. I know that's a little confusing for some people, but from what I've seen, a lot of teams don't know how to use their money. They don't know how to continue their squads. And I know the league's probably like, why is that our problem? The reason why it's your problem, and this is not every league or board member or whatever or manager's, the reason it's your problem is because your peers failed to do something. It's the ones that are already the elites that are going to benefit, right? If you're a Liverpool team or a Tottenham team that's trying to get better right now, do you see the pushback when you do something good? Do you see it? Do you feel that emotion of when you're going to be good? Look at Serge. The pushback on him was ridiculous when he was trying to get up to the top. If Ryan were to go back up to the top right now, how many people would have pushback against that? How many people would be upset about that? You wouldn't. You would want to see him do well because he's started the league. And that's not an indictment on Ryan. That's, you know, he's a good guy when he wants to be. But my point is, is that that new blood breaking into this top end group is always going to annoy somebody or drive them crazy. We need more of that because parity is the only thing that's going to keep people in playing this game. That's just the way it is. I mean, I've talked so many people off the cliff this season. It's, it's, I might as well be the best negotiator in the world. 
You know what I'm saying? It's people have dabbled in the fact that they don't need the league because the parody isn't there. And that's not against Chris. Like I said, it's not against the great players in the league. But there is things you can do to benefit those below them, which isn't great enough to overcome the top teams, but maybe good enough to help them believe that they can one day win something. Thank you guys once again for listening. I know that I kind of dragged on that conversation a bit. It's just something that popped into my mind uh, this last week doing the podcast. I just felt that there is uh, a lack of, I wouldn't say urgency, but a lack of desire to help those in D2. And it's more of like a, hey, you just lay in your cesspool down there. When you want to come play at the big boys, you get good enough on your own. And that's fine. But in a league that is ran where the payouts are not announced at the beginning of the season all the time, they are not official, you have to give these guys a chance. And I think that that's more so on the managers to kind of group together and more so agree to that than it is the board's job to, hey, we're just going to help these guys out. No, I think the managers need to say something in order for that to be true because if they want to play in a, in a world where they have to work 30 times harder than those that have been in the league longer than them, then, hey, that's their choice. Because once again, this comes down to choices. And if you're willing to just sit in D2 for five seasons, then that's on, that's your choice. But if you're willing to take those risks and try as much as you can to be like those D1 teams, then hey, even better. Once again, this is just merely opinion. You don't have to take me out my every single word. You don't have to take me at every single thing that I'm comparing it to. Because everyone has a different opinion on the league, and that's perfectly fine. The more diversity we have, the more different ideas we bring to the table. And those things are actually more important to me than me getting what I want or the board getting what they want. So, like I said in previous podcasts, bring your ideas to the forefront. Um, Shout out to the manager I will not name because it's not official yet on kind of reiterating me on the top eight tournament because it's not about the rich get richer. It is about creating a level playing field for those in the top eight to where we could see, hey, let's let you guys battle it out now. And it gives us a platform for Twitch to kind of become a thing, which is a thing that needs to develop and not for monetary reasons, like real money. I'm talking for entertainment purely only. Once again, thank you guys for listening to this. Uh, You know, I can't thank you guys enough. So I appreciate it so much. Um, I will try and get you guys episodes once a week. Thank you again once more for listening. This has been this week's episode of the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. Until next week, guys, goodbye.